Shut up and sit down. gentlemen welcome to a new year with a new lineup of guests one of those we have tonight a guest and a co-host two co-hosts and a bottle of bourbon for the new year i decided it was going to be a new year new me because this this show could get any cringier it would be new year new me can i get a oh yeah anyways uh I can see everyone on the bottom of the screen just rolling their eyes. Um, new you, new me. Let's make it even cringier. I've decided to stop drinking for good. I will now be drinking for evil, and I'm making it the entire LP's problem. With that being said, uh, problem child extraordinaire, my co-host and good friend, uh, Mr. Will Darty. Well, hello. You don't usually bring me in before the ad reads, so I was not expecting that. But hello, everybody. Thanks for. Thanks I figured for we'd here. do the ad reads together. We would okay. touch tips and do some ad reads. All right, I'll handle some ad reads for you. Yeah, How about thing for Tom four fifty two dot com and please bootleg. Don't make things gay during the ad reads. That's Thomas Queter, four states in it in New York. There's no quit in Queter. He's a good man. Go vote for him. Donate to his campaign. If you live in New York, please volunteer for his campaign. We've got us. We present you us on multiple platforms. Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Twitter, Anchor, and Spotify. Maybe some more coming in the future. You can also see all of our episodes later on, video edition, on the website at, uh, where's it at? Not a real podcast.com. You know what else you can get on the website, Will? Sweet merchandise with my face and also a lot of funny things. A lot of funny stuff. You can also get this hoodie, the Gun Hub hoodie and shirt. Because uh, there's one thing that guys think about, and that's guns. Damn right. That's libertarian, man. Yeah, find us on these platforms. Uh, like, subscribe, share, comment, do all the things. There's a bunch of people commenting right now. Be those people. Be that they're they're awesome. <laughs> all right, you keep 
All right, we also have Crown by Gold, which is book three of the Royal Green series by our, our loved Jack Casey. You can find them at theroyalgreen.com, also on Amazon. They are in Kindle and paperback. The Alaskan Raven, for all your meme needs, go check out The Alaskan Raven on Facebook. Uh, also, fuck Jack Casey, by the way. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Oh, thank God this landed on me. Follow <laughs> the Libertarian Party Veteran Caucus, leading libertarians to veteran issues, leading veterans to libertarian solutions. Join our Discord. Discord. Join our group. Come hang out with us. Yeah, I'm going to take the next two if you don't mind. Uh, so we've got Talia for KY.com. This is James Talia running for almost said New York, uh, for for Kentucky, the one of the Kentucky House seats in the seventy fourth district. I believe it's the federal race. It is people over politics, people helping people. James Talia is a phenomenal human being. I would like to say that, that, that like to say he's a good friend of mine. He's an awesome dude. He does a lot in his community, and he wants to help your community. So, if you want to see James Talia get to the House of Representatives. In DC, go throw him some money at talkyforky.com and show him some love. Show this man all the love you have to give. Then we've got something less loving, something far more brutal. The Coliseum. It's a new show we're starting uh, January 14th at 7 p.m. Eastern Freedom, America time. Bald eagles soaring in the background, machine guns, bikinis, all the good stuff. Uh, we've got the first episode. It's Minarchy versus Anarchy. Our guest is going to kill herself or me or both. I'm watching her at the bottom losing her shit. Um, but it will be Sean Hickman fighting for Minarchy versus Dan Taxation is theft Berman for Anarchy. We all know which one is correct. It is not Minarchy. It is Anarchy. But it will be a fair fight, a clean fight, a fight to the death. Of uh, The loser, I will travel to their home and kill them in their sleep. Uh, so it is high stakes. Um, they've not consented to any of those rules yet, but you know that's how the Coliseum works. I can't wait for this. I'm pumped, but I, I'm I'm worried. I've never heard Dan debate anarchy, and Sean's got a pretty good debate. I I don't know. I I I definitely believe anarchy is superior, and I think that it'll come out or. I think that some marriage between the two will come out. But let's let's get to our let's get to our guest. Two more things. We got redemptiontactical.com. Use our code. Uh, if you want a plate carrier plates, ballistic face mask. If you want a face mask that will stop freaking bullets, go to redemptiontactical.com. Uh, use our link. I'm sure one of the lovely ladies on the network will share it. Boom. Jennifer has posted it right there. She's awesome. Also, these things are now on the website. The uh, Faraday defense bags are on the website. If you are like, man, the government can like track everything I do. They're everywhere. I've also got another one they sent. Uh, it's really shiny, though. If you want to block out RFID signals, uh, if you want to block out any kind of communication, telecommunications, whatever. You want to talk shit about the government and you don't want your phone or Alexa to hear you, go to inauguralpodcast.com, copy one of these sweet things, uh, 
block out all the transmissions. It, it works the same way as an RFID blocking wallet does, except better. They've got some that are big enough for a laptop. They've got entire encasement units big enough to put your bedroom in. If you think the government's listening into your bedroom right now, go get you an encasement unit. Well, that's not what it's called. It's it's some kind of encapsulation unit or something. But Dope. I didn't know I needed one of those. Now I do. So I'll be the first. I'm going to send you some good stuff. I'm going to get them to send some more stuff for everybody. It's awesome. Okay. Hell yeah. All right. Do we have any more ad reads? I think that's all of them. <laughs> Nobody watches the show, but we get tons of ads. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I think that might be why no one watches the show, but like, I just discovered something. An epiphany. Uh, Matt Yate, Matt blah, 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 Matt Lacey, you're a unit. Release the Eskimo. I don't think she wants to be on our show now. She knew what she was getting into. She's watched this before. What's the 811? That's Tuesday night, Steven. 811, call before you dig segment. Because nobody, ca- no, you should never call 911. They might shoot your dog. But 811 will keep you from hitting your neighbor's power lines. We could, we could, Eskimo could take, uh, you know, an anchor call, couldn't she? Yeah. It, I meant to put that on the thing today. I was busy. Uh, if you go to anchor.fm slash not a real libertarian podcast, leave an anchor call in moment for the Eskimo libertarian. The worst question always gets played. So always ask really awful questions like why she hates Will and Bootleg. Anchor.fm slash not a real libertarian podcast. Uh, we hear from Jennifer Marie Kaiser that if you talk about duck rape, that makes her happy. Mind-boggling. All right, let's get to <laughs> the actual guest instead of talking about her. Welcome, Nalik. This show was a mistake. You can quote me for a testimonial. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best start we've ever had. Most people nice actually big testimonial first. quotes on your website. The Eskimo Libertarian says we're a mistake. <laughs> we're doing that. We're doing that. We're making the meme. I'm going to have it with this exact layout. It's perfect. Oh, my gosh. I'm surprised I didn't make Will uh, all cry and stuff because I'm hearing his uh, mom says that about him. Mm-hmm. Be quiet, though. Don't talk about her. She's in the other room. But, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> She's actually upstairs. I live in the basement. Wait, I'm getting my podcast shows mixed up. I thought we were doing a roast here. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll leave those oh, for okay. later. Oh, every day is a roast day if you want it to be a roast day. Those are always available. Uh, I'm having a caribou roast tonight for dinner, so. Really? Yes. Who killed the caribou? My husband killed this one. That's awesome. Yes. Do you go every year? Uh, yeah, multiple times a year. We, uh, I'm not going to say where our spot is, even though all of Alaska hunts there. <laughs> but yeah, we got a couple of caribou last year, three caribou, I think, total. So so yeah. I, I'm a deer hunter, and it's obviously, you know, a very different size. But how long does a caribou feed you for? Uh, there's a lot more meat to it. They're a lot bigger. They got like a much bigger torso than a deer. And uh, their hearts are like the size of a basketball, I swear, or yeah, like wow. a women's basketball. They're they got massive hearts, and uh, the heart. 
Yes, that's my favorite part. And my husband will go hunting and he brings a heart back to me. And that's how I know he loves me because he spoils me. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Somebody in the comments right now needs to get on uh, a really savage, like just gut wrenching photo of Eskimo tearing into a heart, like like walking dead style. <laughs> it doesn't really work. I smile too much. I'm all like. Blood dripping down your face, smiling while eating a heart. Okay. (laughs) That 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 would be a good idea. And then on the bottom it says, eat your heart out. Oh, I love it. (laughs) No, like, how did you, uh, I saw your kids covered thing. How did you get involved with that or come up with that idea? Well, I had heard about them before. And um, they had recently, well, before I got started, they had made a post saying that they didn't have enough money to keep doing what they're doing. Um, So for a little bit of background for those watching, Kids Covered is a nonprofit organization up here in Alaska and they feed hungry children. And that's actually a really big issue up here. In my area alone, 44% of children qualify for reduced or free lunch. And so a lot of these children are food insecure and they don't know where their next nutritious meal is gonna be. And there's even been people saying like, this is the best meal I've had all week. And that's really sad coming from children. So they help children all across Alaska and they didn't have enough money to keep going for the winter. And I don't want children to go hungry during the winter or at all ever, you know, but winter's hard up here. We just had this terrible storm come through and knock out all the power, it was crazy. But anyways, so I decided to raise money for them and um, bring awareness. And then also while I was working with them, I figured out that they actually have a lot of red tape that they have to go through. Uh, For example, they recently had to hire a compliance manager full-time. That's a full-time government position that they have to pay. And this person makes sure that they, you know, cross their T's, dot their I's and follow government guidelines. And so with this uh, extra red tape and extra money that they have to pay to make sure they're compliant with the government, that is less meals for children. And so I brought this up with state legislators and they're working on reducing the restrictions and how much money they have to pay to the government and all this other stuff. Hopefully it makes a big enough difference that more children get to eat. That's incredible that you found that. And also it's just terrible that there's still, you know, that regulatory burden on somebody who's just trying to do a good thing and at no risk to anybody else um, in a place where, you know, it kind of exists government's failures anyway that probably caused that in the first place, um, that mass poverty. But um, anyway, that's awesome. Does Alaska have a, sorry, I was going to ask, does does Alaska have a a hunters for the hungry program? I know the state of Virginia does or the the Commonwealth of Virginia does. Um, So like, no, actually, I know people can hunt proxy and then we also have um, systems in place where, uh, like we have tons of moose up here and they'll get hit by a truck or something. And we have this program that if the moose dies, um, you're on a list and they call you up and you can go pick up the meat. So, uh, I mean, you could get like 1300 pounds of meat from it, even if half of it is completely destroyed and you can only get half of the meat from the moose. That's still a lot of meat. And some people do that. And then they uh, are able to give it to organizations like kids covered and feed a whole bunch of people. And so there's programs like that available. Um, that'd be interesting to look into if we do have like uh, the type of program you're talking about. 
Yeah, the one that Virginia does, and I, I think a few other states have it. It's it's more designed for people who gain, uh, who hunt for uh, for like trophy hunts. You know, they're looking to get the the big rack and hang on the wall and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But they don't necessarily want to deal with the processing of the meat, or uh, some people don't want to process it themselves. So what they'll do is they'll take it to a butcher who operates within the program, and the butcher will you know however much the the person wants back, they keep it, um, and then the rest of it goes to local homeless shelters or whatever. And it's actually a, a tax write off for the, uh, the butcher shop that does it because it's considered like a charitable donation. Um, but stuff like that's actually really interesting. I don't, I need to find out if the state of Tennessee has something like that because it would actually be really interesting because uh, like Oklahoma and a lot of other states, Tennessee is a huge uh, hunting and wildlife state and uh, stuff like that's pretty cool. Just being able to like, capitalize on people who are coming in from out of state to hunt for sure and i know there's people that do come to alaska they hunt and then a lot of the meat goes to like local villages and whatnot because trophy hunting is illegal up here so they want that trophy hunt and they have to haul everything back but the local villages will be like hey we'll take it and they're like yeah i don't need it and plus i can't pay to ship you know hundreds of pounds of meat back here you go so it's we do have something like that in place. I don't know. It's like a, a official program, like what you're talking about. But that would be really interesting if we did. Now, like, how long have you been hunting? Um, I really got into it a lot more recently. Uh, I've been a lot more of like a fisherman than a hunter, but uh, my husband is definitely a hunter. He loves hunting, and he'll take me with them. In fact. Last year for my birthday, he took me caribou hunting and uh, it was like one of the best birthdays ever. It was so incredible. Like we go out there and we were chasing down this herd. Don't chase after caribou. They will outrun you. It is insane how fast they can move across the frozen tundra. But it was a great experience. And we were able to sneak up on some that were like bedded down. And uh, we got two of them. And it was just such an incredible experience. Um, And then hauling it back. We were so exhausted. It was like negative 20 wind chill and we were so bundled up, but it was so great. I had fun. Yeah. I want to to experience chasing a herd of caribou through the tundra of Alaska. That's nuts. What it sounds like is it won't last very long. You, you probably won't keep up because they, they get up to what, like 30 miles an hour, 40. Um, I don't know how fast they get. I just know that they can move uphill. So it was kind of a little bit of a mountainous area. And I'm hauling butt with my gear and I have my rifle and I'm trying to get up there. And I couldn't, like, they were coming around the hill over this way. Oh, you can't quite see it in the, so they're coming this way. I was trying to go up the mountain this way to cut them off and maybe meet them, but they were moving so fast and they were already to the next mountain. And I was like, Jesus Christ, it was really steep right. terrain, but like that adrenaline's pumping and I'm like, I'm going to get a caribou, but you know, <laughs> so Google we had to sneak says- up on them. Google says 31 miles an hour. Wow. They move fast. Yeah. That's super cool. So do you, uh, what kind of rifle do you use for a caribou? That one, I was using a 300 Win Mag. Um, It was a, oh man, I had recently just got it. Um, It's, I'm totally drawing a blank right now. Oh my God. (laughs) But no, as you say, 300 enough. I, wanted, I just was curious what cartridge you use, but that's cool. That makes sense. Yeah, it might be a little on the more powerful side, but 
I mean, people do use less, but um, I had recently run the won the rifle at an AOC banquet. So we have this thing called AOC. Um, that not that AOC, uh, the Alaska Outdoor Council. <laughs> you had some so work for her. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so the Alaska Outdoor Council is like a, a political group up here that is focusing on public land access and hunters' rights uh, and gun rights. And they have a banquet, you know, twice a year. And we love going to it. It's a great fundraiser. We always have fun. And there's this thing called the Wall of Guns. And I love it. It's $10 a ticket. They sell 100 tickets. And um, if you win, you get to pick a gun off the wall. And uh, after that, they like empty the pot, sell a hundred tickets more, you know, and they just go through and try and sell all the guns on the wall. And it's super cool. Super I want so, to get that. Just for uh, no particular reason at all. When is this and where do I find this? Uh, the next one is in February and it'll be in Anchorage. I think it's February 16th or something like that. I'd have to check my schedule here. How much is uh, a ticket to Alaska? Let's see. <laughs> no, no reason. No drive, reason in particular. Drive. I'm a state from the East Ocean. I'm not driving to Alaska. It would take a while. It would take a long it, time. It would take a very long time because that would take like take me with. Uh, it would take. <laughs> it would take like probably three days. Yes. No joke. Yeah. Like no That's bathroom it. breaks, no gas breaks, just go no sleeping you have to go through canada which means you probably have to be vaccinated i don't know actually <laughs> yes you do have to go through canada not only that you have to take the alcan and that goes like a good chunk of the way up the state and then you go into the state and you have to come back down to me huh it's i typed it in and it's so far it's it's taking an hour to load <laughs> it knows you're not vaccinated. It's like, well, I don't think you can. <laughs> exactly. So, what's what's the uh, the vaccine mandate saying like up in Alaska? Uh, so Alaska tends to be very red. Uh, looking at previous elections, uh, we voted overwhelmingly for Trump in the last election, but we also had the highest percentage of people vote for Jorgensen. Um, than any other state. So it's very much like a libertarian conservative sort of state. Uh, people are very adamantly against the vaccine. You do have folks in Anchorage, um, that is more of our blue area, that are for the vaccine, for mask mandates, you know, what have you. But outside of that, no one cares. <laughs> like, um, I remember even last, was it last year or the year before, when uh, we were traveling uh, down to like Wisconsin area, even just while we were traveling, like it was so foreign to me that people were wearing masks. I'm like, oh yeah, there's like stuff going on. Or I hear from other people like uh, about the mask mandates, about the vaccine mandates. I'm like, oh yeah, that's still happening. I, I forget about it. That's awesome. Are you in like a kind of more rural area? I would say it's quickly developing. Uh, it used to be a lot more rural. Um, but it's definitely quickly uh, developing. I'm just north of Anchorage area, and a lot of people are leaving Anchorage and coming to here in the Matsu Valley. Interesting. Okay, so it's, it's kind of like, uh, is it like a California exit kind of thing? Is Anchorage getting expensive and people are having to move to the to the other parts? 
Pretty much, yes. It's getting very expensive to live there. The taxes are high. I mean, the cost of living is high. Tons of crime, lots and lots of crime. Uh, The homeless population is very high. It's just not a good place to live. And so people are leaving, especially young families, and coming out to the Matsu Valley, which the crime rate is very (laughs) I can't imagine being a homeless person in Anchorage. How do you, do do they just like migrate south for the winter or do they just like camp out and do their best? They camp out, do their best. There's a couple of shelters, um, a couple of programs that try to help them out. It's pretty rough. And uh, my mom is a nurse and she has had, you know, homeless patients and like the frostbite and the other stuff associated with um, being homeless in Alaska. It's pretty bad. It's not pretty. Um, the stuff that happens to their bodies, uh, they don't last very long. It's very sad. Wow. That's terrible. Yeah. Well, I lived in, uh, in Oslo, Norway or the outsides of Oslo, Norway for, for a couple of years. And it was like that up there too. Cause it's, it's, it gets, it, uh, Norway is very North, just like Alaska is. Um, this is a really shitty geography, uh, but Norway's very it's a lot like uh, Alaska it's a mu- it's a much smaller nation but it's very mountainous it's very cold in the winter like uh, outdoor sports are like their livelihood for a lot of people um they don't have caribou they have reindeer um uh so yeah there's a lot of homeless people there and you would see them like frozen to death on benches and stuff in the winter and like the the state would try to do the best it could to like remove the bodies cuz they you know, they, they think it looks bad on them, but I'm like, well, people dying on park benches looks worse, bro. Uh, like, the body being there isn't the worst part. The fact that they died out in the cold is the bad part, but hey. Yeah. I, so, I do have to say, I was wrong. It's two days, 23 hours. And You're like wrong 50 one hour. <laughs> and 50% of the drive is through Canada, so I'm not driving. Also, wow. I would have to... The way it would have me go is... Uh, through Kentucky, through Chicago, Minneapolis, Edmonton, and then around over to Anchorage. Uh, I don't think I would survive going through Chicago and Minneapolis. I don't think that's a thing any human has ever done. So I would probably not even make it into Canada anyways. Yeah, and they'll hold you at the border for a while. (laughs) Well, you know, you're on the list. they're, they're, They're Canadian, thank God, guns. I do, so. Well, you know what's interesting? So uh, we made the move from Wisconsin to Alaska. I lived in Wisconsin for a little bit. And uh, we went through all the rules and filled out the paperwork and everything. And we're trying to be thorough. So we get to the border. They searched our vehicle. And they found a spring-loaded knife, which apparently is illegal. And we had to um, surrender it to the Crown. And they almost didn't let us go through because of a spring-loaded knife. Wow. That's we harsh. had no idea. And I was just like, what? Like, we were very thorough. We thought we were thorough, but a spring-loaded knife is not allowed. Stupid Canada. What the hell? Like, I can imagine them, like, okay, if they don't they don't allow it in, like, a city or something, but a border countrywide, that's just insane. That just is the epitome of uh, going too far not respecting like localism well i just think it's ridiculous i would have never thought so this so so 
for anyone who hasn't seen, this will touch uh, Eskimo's heart a little bit. Um, Canada has finally come to an agreement to make uh, payments to native tribes uh, for the, the mass graves that they've been finding. I want to say it was something like hundreds of billions of dollars, something like that. It was, it was some astronomical price. Um, and they're, they're basically essentially going to probably call it reparations, but they're paying these huge funds to, from what I remember, it was to dig up the bodies, bury them individually instead of mass graves. And then, you know, pay retribution to the tribes of the, the children um, which is actually a really good thing. I'm not big on using taxpayer funds for things, but something like that, uh, something that this, my, my belief is the state, if it's going to spend money at all, should always be to fix the things that the state has broken, um, which <laughs> typically ends up breaking it worse, which we will probably see. But the, the fact that there is some attempt to do the right thing is interesting. Yeah, I had actually uh, started reading about that and I was meaning to make a post or something, but something I would like to look into is look at the criteria because they tried doing something like this in uh, California. And uh, this is with the eugenics program that they had implemented on um, Native Americans, uh, on Mexicans and um, on Black people is uh, they implemented these eugenics programs and they had a... uh, they tried to pay people back, but they had a lot of criteria. And so it didn't go to a lot of people. That money didn't go to a lot of people and it went to waste. So that is something I would be very cautious about. If it is implemented in a way that is saying that it is meant to be implemented, it would make me happy, but uh, it's just something to look out for. And of course I'm very, I don't know if pessimistic, maybe more cautious because of history and what has happened before when like we're gonna help you guys it's like oh lord please don't help us <laughs> just don't help us anymore <laughs> so, so we'll see i want to kind of address this from like a i'll be the devil's advocate because I'm, I'm curious how both of you guys feel about this but um you know the the thing that i see like to me that sounds extremely justified because obviously those tribes deserve something for the fact that something wrong happened to them and kind of the same way I feel about reparations, you know, in America as well. Um, the 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 victim side deserves something, like in a in a world of equality, you know what I mean. But at the same time, I question the concept of you know the modern living population bearing that burden, and kind of how you know people guilty hundreds of years ago, or you know, obviously with the Native American graves or the Inuit graves up there. You told me, I think they were just as recent as like 20 or 30 years or something. Yeah. Up until the nineties. In the nineties. Wow. So that's a lot more recent, but I still, what do you think about, you know, the morality of, you know, government today paying back a debt from government many years ago or, you know, yeah. So something to keep in mind, uh, this entity, like the government as an entity, has stolen uh, land and labor and has profited off of these people. So essentially they are paying what they had taken. So um, so there's land. Obviously, we all know about that. Uh, they had taken labor at these residential schools. These children were forced to work and they profited off of the children, uh, whether if it was like a sweatshop sort of style or agriculture. 
these children were forced to work and they were also sold into labor camps. So, or sold into labor. And then also they profited off of them in that they experimented on them and found out more information, especially with medicine. And they were able to cultivate medicine or learn more about medicine off of these people. And so by giving a monetary value back, we are compensated in that way. Obviously it's terrible. I wish it never happened, but something needs to be given back in return for what they took. That's I, I, definitely, I completely agree. Like on a, on a perspective of saying like, what is right? Like the universe in a way owes them something, but to me, to think of it, to think of government as owing them is like mistaking government for something real and concrete. When to me, it's like government is kind of, you know, just a representation of the people during that time who are voting for those leaders and, and, you know, or the people in power really. So I feel like you're right that somebody, you know, needs to pay for that, but it seems just kind of weird to completely shift it to just the modern version of that same name, rather than like actually tracing it back to the people who made those mistakes and, and committed those crimes and, um, you know, I don't know. It's interesting, but I, I see where you're coming from. I don't think this is like a black or white thing or something that's easy to answer. I think it's a really tough situation. And, you know, it's it's obviously really terrible what happened to them and something needs to be done. So, yeah. yeah and going back to who committed these crimes, there are people still alive today that committed these crimes and they need mm -hmm. to pay for the crimes. Yes. You know, they need to go to jail. Of course, they committed terrible, terrible atrocities against children. And so those people definitely need to be tracked down. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, I mean, with it having been done as recent as the 90s, and I was just looking at an article, the one I was thinking of was the, the payment that it's 29.5 billion pounds. Uh, they're, they're paying out to children who were forced into foster care between 91 and 2022. So as of this year, um, Native kids were being forced into foster care. So it's, this is not like this is like an old piece of history that didn't happen in our lifetime. This is stuff that's happened in our lifetime. I mean, I'm, I was born in 93, so it's I'm sure that a lot of this stuff went on in the U.S., around that time period um it, it it it's one of those things where does the government have the right to make those payments in my opinion it doesn't but i think the reparation should be made where somehow it's funded whether it be to sell federal land and those funds go to the native tribes which it to me is is a more it's a much more beneficial way because those monies are being provided to the people who were uh, on the, the 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 receiving end of the atrocities. I'll say I'll say it like that, and then we're taking away the largest landholder in the United States, which is the federal government. Um, which it's ridiculous so, how much land they own. There's a way which, too much. Which a lot of it, it as. That's what I stated is stolen land anyways. I mean, they stole it from whether it be uh, private individuals, whether it be native tribes, uh, organizations, whatever. A lot of that land was just, they said, nope, this is ours now. Uh, what are you going to do about it? 
And I, I think so, there is something that needs to be done. So, so for sure, and I don't really have the, I don't have maybe the best answer when it comes to reparations, but that is some of the thinking behind it is that they profited off of these people um, so recently that people are still alive today. Their labor has been taken, their lives have been taken, their land has been taken, um, their health has been taken. And so there needs to be something that helps these people because they were stolen from. Um, uh, another thing too about like federal land, over 60% of Alaskan land is federal land. That is a lot. People don't realize how big Alaska is. Yeah, if you massive. look at a if you look at a map of where, like, if you take the uh, United States and you, there, there's charts you can look at that show, yeah, that where the federally owned land is, it's insane. I never knew how much land they owned. It is ridiculous. Um, I think that's that. a really. Oh, so as you say, say, that's a uh, really. Go ahead. Not only that, if you look at the map. Here, I'm trying to show. Okay, here we go. If you look at the map, there's almost like a uh, radius from the capital of where most of that federal land starts. So within that radius, there isn't a lot of federal land close to D.C. But when you get farther away to the West Coast and up in Alaska, a significant portion of these um, states are federal land, which is something interesting to consider. It's crazy. Um we're facing like kind of a similar related problem in Oklahoma right now. Um, if you guys haven't heard about this, there's this huge trial. It was a Supreme Court case. It's called McGirt versus Oklahoma. And yes. what happened was there was a Native American man who had committed a really brutal murder on in eastern Oklahoma. And um, his lawyer, very smart person, obviously argued that because a federal treaty had been violated like 100 years earlier by the federal government and you know, because that land actually belonged to the Native American tribes, it wasn't Oklahoma's right to press charges against this Native American man. And they won. They won. They took it all the way to Supreme Court and won. So because of that, now, like half of Oklahoma is actually like being given back to the Native American tribes legally. And, um, you know, the federal government's ordered them to. And so it's a really big issue. But one thing that I thought would be a really because it's hard, right? Like you can't you know, there's families and stuff living in those communities and those houses. You can't just like uproot them and give all their homes away. Uh, in modern society. So I thought something that would be cool is like what you guys are talking about, have like an acre for acre, you know, give them that federal land, the federal government screwed them over, let them have, you know, equal land that they should have had the whole time. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great idea though. We need to start breaking that up. It is um, interesting looking at treaties like this because when it comes to the hierarchy of laws, treaties are supposed to be above the Constitution. A lot of people think Constitution is supposed to be the highest in terms of like the law, but treaties um, are supposed to be honored before the Constitution. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the treaties that I was looking into is that First Nation people are supposed to be able to freely pass between Canada and the U.S. without passports. Well, that hasn't been honored in a long time, but it's still in effect. It's never been taken down. So technically I should be able to go into Canada without a passport, but they don't honor that anymore. There's plenty of treaties out there that aren't honored anymore because they benefit um, Alaska Natives, Native Americans, First, you know, First Nation, however you'd like to put it, they benefit us. And so they aren't honored anymore. Yeah, that is interesting because we, we there's a lot of political discourse in the United States and very, very little of it is about Native Americans and how 
their treatment has been and up to as of recent. Uh, it, yeah, so 28% of all land in the U.S. is owned by the federal government. I would say that's probably close to right. Um, I'm not going to argue with him on that. He's probably I bet he looked right. it up. He probably did. I but, trust uh, him. Yeah, I mean, when when you want to travel between the United States and Canada, all you have to have is a passport card, which uh, I'm not going to show mine. I was actually going to, and I was like, no, that's a bad idea. Um, but it, it's it's a lot easier to get a passport card than a regular passport. You still have to have the same documentation, but it doesn't take as long, and they don't do as much scrutiny because you're just going to either – the U.S., Canada, or Mexico, or I think the the Caribbean parts of the Caribbean, or whatever. Um, but yeah, it, it's fairly easy for U.S. citizens and Canadian citizens to travel back and forth across the border. Canada has very, from what I've always heard, is has very little scrutiny um, as far as like going across the border. I don't know if that's true or not, but I know that the U.S. has like very high measures of people coming. Uh, south from the northern border or north from the southern border because, you know, Canadians and Mexicans are those damn terrorists. But, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> how look at... <laughs> it's, yeah. it, the, what I was All going Canadians with Canadians are terrorists. It's, it's a fact. It's to be fair. To be fair, that's <laughs> that's probably true. But, yeah, Native Amer- the, the plight of Native Americans, whether, and I'll say in North America, has been that their entire history has been, you know, promises made, promises forgotten, promises ignored. That's that's the entirety of it. I mean, as as far as recently, you know, I mean, how many reservations you can you can go visit a reservation and see how bad the conditions are, and it's not it's not the fault of those reservations. It, you when you take an entire civilization and you force them into land that they're not compatible with they don't succeed. You take most Americans, you take away cell phones, the internet, running water, sewage, all these things that they're used to having and put them in an environment and we'll say somewhere like uh, Somalia. Most Americans will not survive that because you're taking them from an environment they're used to and putting them in an environment they're not used to. They're not going to set up to succeed. And there's all these other things that go on. I'm sure Eskimo can uh, explain some of those things if depending on what she knows about it, but it, it it's just, it is irritating. Like my, my family heritage, like I'm, I can trace my lineage to Cherokee, the Cherokee nation far more than I can to my European uh, ancestry. I don't, I don't claim any of that shit because it's, I'm, I'm fucking white as snow. Like I walk outside when it's snowing and I disappear. I'm actually, I'm actually native, but I'm I'm the same white. I'm I'm like I call myself yeah I call myself off white, uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it it's frustrating. It it's something I don't get involved with. I don't know a lot about, but it it, it does piss me off. I I need to do more research on it because it is important. But yeah, yeah, and uh, it's so I have kind of taken on this role of advocating um, for indigenous people, you know, my people uh, against, you know, the atrocities that the government has done. And I do use the term systemic racism. A lot of people, you know, get turned off by that term, but it was systemic and it was racist. It was written into the law 
uh, for example, like the Indian Adoption Program, it was meant to take Native children and put them with non-Native homes. And that's what it said in the paperwork. Uh, it said Indian with non-Indian homes. But, you know, that that's what they meant. And so by advocating and educating people about this and bringing libertarian solutions to uh, these problems, everyone benefits from it. It's just these are problems that have disproportionately affected my demographic. And uh, I do get criticism from libertarians about it. Like, you, should, you know, race is a non-issue or race isn't an issue. It's like, well, I can talk about these, present a libertarian solution and everyone benefits. And it's something that people aren't looking at or don't realize. Or if they looked at it, like the history of it, the details, they could learn from it too and see the effects that are happening today because they've used the same um, strategy. So. Now, like how much research do you typically do before an episode or before you're trying to like, you know, showcase a new idea or something like that? Um, it depends. <laughs> okay. I definitely try to confirm with multiple sources. I try to use, I probably use at least seven different sources. Um, I look at news articles, um, actual legislation, uh, interviews, uh, books I've read, uh, even like with uh, the residential school stuff, uh, I heard stuff from my mom, you know, she told me stuff as well. So I try to get an abundance of sources, I watch videos, um, anything I can, and I bring it all together. I try to confirm different things, uh, especially if something seems a little outlandish, I try to confirm those facts. Uh, I try to be thorough and present a good deep dive because I feel like not enough people do do the deep dive. They're like, these are my rights. Okay, what does that mean? You know, or like, these residential schools were terrible. Well, what does that mean? Because they actually were awful and people don't really feel um, the severity of how awful they were until I present the specifics and the details and like the legislation specifically said this, this is exactly what they did in these schools. You know, it really has much more of an impact and I believe listeners deserve that. Your thoroughness definitely comes out in the way that you present information. And like whenever you were talking about the kids covered thing earlier, you know, you're like, oh, and these are the the government burdens. They have to hire this person with this salary. And it's clear that you definitely, um, you know, close, tie all the knots together. So that's awesome. What's your future in the libertarian movement? Not like uh, so lately, I've actually been working with Spike Cohen on a really big project, and I, we should be announcing it soon. I'm very excited. Um, I've been helping with a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Uh, I also help Spike out with producing a show or if he has to, you know, tackle legislation at a city hall like in Manatee County. I uh, read through all the documents and highlighted points and talked with him about the issues and we developed a strategy on how to combat against, it was the, uh, was it Sanctuary of the Unborn Bill in Manatee County? And we were able to actually shoot that down because it wasn't outlawing abortion. It was making it illegal to help any woman achieve an abortion, whether you pay them, give them health insurance, give them a ride. That is who would be attacked by the bill. And they would use a civil court uh, to so which um, using a civil court, the burden of proof is very low comparatively right. and you can sue someone. So like, let's say 
your neighbor gave a ride to, you know, Susie Q to go get an abortion, you could sue her. You could sue the driver. So it was using this ratting people out method. And that is dangerous. Even if you don't agree with abortion, they try, they're trying to use that same strategy in California with um, suing gun manufacturers. So they can use that strategy to go around the constitution and have people rat each other out for stuff they don't like. That's the BS. And that's the thing that he posted the video about um, in the town hall. He was giving that address to the councilman and stuff. Yes. Or actually, he turned around. He was like, no, I'm not going to talk to you guys. I'm going to talk to the people. (laughs) That was awesome. Okay. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. So what about running for office? Is that in the the stars? Uh, I've actually given a lot of thought to it. Uh, There was an opportunity where we thought maybe I would run for office up here, but it turns out I'm not old enough for the office that we were thinking about originally, <laughs> believe it or not. And so people were like, oh, I thought you were old enough. I'm like, do I look hey, old do, enough? Do you need to borrow a juice box? Do you need to borrow a juice box, Nalik? <laughs> I do. Yeah. <laughs> Our listeners won't get it, but that's okay. Before the show, so, es- Eskimo kept dunking on Will saying that, yeah, I've got coffee. He's got bourbon. Will has his juice box. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a little too easy to pick on Will. I'm sorry. No, I'm really <laughs> no, I not love sorry. It. I'm happy to be the low-hanging fruit. It's fun. <laughs> but um, anyways, yeah, in terms of running for office, it's not something that uh, I'm going to say no to necessarily, but I don't know if that will be sooner or later. Um, with the project I'm working on, it I might not be able to run for office for a little bit um, due to legalities and whatnot. Uh, there's that stuff will all come out, but I'm definitely a loud constituent and I encourage other people to be a loud and active constituent in their area and be in contact with those that represent you. Um, I've reached out to my st- state legislators on multiple occasions, um, gone to meetings, told them what I'm concerned about and stuff starts getting done or starts pointing in the right direction. And I encourage other people to, and not just send an email, but call them, see them in person and go to the meetings. That is what's going to have the biggest impact. That's exactly right. People vote, uh, people who go to those council mm -hmm. meetings are going to vote for people they see at those council meetings all the time and people who show up. The squeaky will gets the grease. Uh, the louder you are, the more attention you draw. And sometimes, you you know, you can be loud and no attention is drawn. But uh, that shouldn't be a reason why you shouldn't do it. Uh, if it's right and it's hard, that means it's worth doing. So, For sure. And, like, I don't win it, win all the time with what I do. But when I do achieve something, it feels so good. And I definitely like celebrate it. Like, oh my gosh, we did that. Like when we got that sanctuary, the unborn bill shot down and people realize, you know, how terrible this actually was and how it was a slippery slope to other um, injustices done on the people. And it, it was a huge victory. We were super happy, but there's been other times too, where, you know, I, I've gone to city council meetings and I don't make a difference and it sucks, but I keep going and people see that I am, consistent and I keep trying and they notice me and recognize me and it's really great to see and especially when people start to respect what I have to say and echo what I have to say it's 
It's a really good feeling. So we do have a call in. Oh. It is from one Sean Hickman. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and play it. Uh, yes, uh, this message is for the pod father himself, uh, bootleg libertarian. I'm just curious uh, if the rumor that is circulating is true, uh, if uh, there is a movement afoot to uh, end the LNC, and uh, if you are going to be leading that movement and uh, making it official to run uh, as the LNC chair. No comment. Um, so, anyways, uh, oh, so yeah, it's the, true. I think the it's last true. time, no, I'm not saying that is true. Exactly, which means it probably is. The silence no. was was this. I don't. I don't keep. I don't keep anything a secret. I tell everything on here, don't I? Like, like the idea for the Coliseum <laughs> unfolded on this show. That's true. Uh, That's true. So, you know, just just no comment. Uh, the LNC uh, can suck my ass, all of it. So, um, it's not I'm that a, bad. I, I'm an I'm an anarchist at heart. Like, eventually, if we start moving in the right direction, the Libertarian Party will become my enemy. So, no, um, no. But here's the thing, dude. Until there's no Republican or Democratic Party, you've got the wrong freaking enemy. Because as long as those statists exist, then the Libertarian Party is our damn allies. They're the only one we I got. I didn't say the LP is my enemy. I didn't say the LNC is my enemy. Okay. I said eventually. Eventually. Hopefully not. She's she's getting ready to sign out. She's like, where's the end button? (laughs) She's like, I got to get the hell out of here. No, my phone's about to die, so I had to plug it in. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't um, enjoy partaking in like the status side of libertarianism when it comes to like the LNC. I see the drama on Twitter and whatnot and I run the other way. It's like, gosh, this is not worth it. It's not worth my time. There's other things I could focus on. And it's a lot of times it can be petty. Um, There are times that people will try to post in like Alaska LP groups or something like that. And it's about LNC stuff. And we shut that down. We're like, keep that down there. Seriously, we don't we don't want your shit, <laughs> you know, and it's I don't know whenever you work with people, I mean, you're going to have arguments and drama. It's unavoidable, unavoidable, but you would expect people to act professional. And there are times that people don't and they take to Twitter and it's just very disheartening and embarrassing to see. I will so say nasty. it's the worst. Yeah, Twitter is probably the worst social media platform on the planet. Uh, it brings up the worst of the worst people. But I will say, uh, luckily for me, LPTN has a lot of its downfalls. Like, And I will be one of the first people to say LPTN makes me want to eat a 12-gauge slug. But at least there's no, like, Mises versus anti-Mises, fucking left libertarian versus right libertarian drama. Uh, so we've got that going for us, uh, even if that's it. But, uh, yeah. So I heard you dropped the ball on the spike trip. 
<laughs> yes, apparently it's my fault. Uh, apparently, and do, Brian. Do, do, do you want me to tell that story? Hey, no, gotta, you don't have to. I, I know the whole story. The I forgot. I have a class at seven thirty. I've got to roll, but do you guys want to finish this without me? Because that's cool. He's got band practice afterwards, and his mom's going to pick him up. <laughs> I do have band practice. Actually, I have. I'm going to jujitsu, and I'm wearing. I'm wearing my gi right now, so I gotta roll. Yeah. Hi, dog. All right, see you're you guys. not helping with that nerdy knowledge. image. I got my gi on. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Don't forget a lunch. Good night, guys. <laughs> so the funny thing about that story is, I received a phone call from someone who said that I stonewalled Spike Cohen from coming to LPTN. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I wanted to be the number one podcaster in Tennessee. And I was like, not sure where this is coming from, but. Yeah. I don't even know that I'm the number one podcast in my house. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I heard about the draw, but I was like, Oh, Yay. <laughs> I hear about a lot of that stuff. Um, that's why I don't get involved. I don't know. When it comes to LP affiliates, I try to, because I have had ones reach out to me and want to be promoted and stuff. I I do do work with the uh, Alaska LP affiliate, but uh, I try to, take initiative and do my own stuff as well and encourage other libertarians to do stuff. I don't, um, it doesn't have to be an LP affiliate official thing and we get a lot of stuff done. It doesn't have to even have the libertarian name on it. It's just we're active in our community and that's what people care about, not what labels on it. Big facts. Uh, I will be releasing an article later this year. It'll, it'll premiere at the LPTN convention uh, it's one that I wrote in about 30 minutes. You actually have a copy of it. Uh, yes. But it the, the feedback on it is very good. Uh, most of it is, we can't believe you know this many words. But uh, it, it will be an article that will drop exclusively on the website later this year. Um, I will say, in my own personal bias, that it's very good. It's very well written, very well articulated. Uh you know, I'm going to pat myself on the back, throw my shoulder out doing that. But uh, <clears throat> You probably sound more intelligent without your accent. So on paper, you might sound more intelligent. I think it's the accent that is holding it, you no, back, it, buddy. It, it absolutely <laughs> is. Uh, there is a strict bias against Southerners. Everyone assumes that we're all idiots. There's like 2% of us that are not. Uh, <laughs> but so it's like I was talking to a, uh, so I was on Clubhouse one night. And I was a little drunk and I was talking to a, I was like the, I'll say this. I was the only white guy in the room and there's mm-hmm. about 40 people in there. And I said, do I immediately come in here and sound like I'm about to say the most racist shit on the planet? They said, basically, I said, nice. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's very difficult. Like, so imagine like someone like Eskimo. So this is a game I love playing with people. Someone like mm-hmm. Eskimo that says, well, the, the thing about Asians is. And it sounds like you're about to drop some intellectual information about the Asian uh, culture or 
you know, the, the, the continent of Asia or whatever. And I say, well, the thing about Asians is, and I'm about to say some really racist shit about the Asian place down the road for me. Uh, that's what it sounds like. I, I understand it. I, I live with it. Uh, there are people like Sean Hickman who said that the first time they ever heard me speak, I sounded like an inbred hillbilly. And there, he was like, where the hell did you find this guy? And then when it gets into like the seriousness, it's slightly different. I, I don't want to say much different. The accent doesn't go away. So. <laughs> That's actually really funny. I actually got called racist recently on one of my posts. Like, I get called racist quite often, actually. And I was just like, me? (laughs) I'm racist? And um, either it's LP people thinking that I focus too much on Native American issues, or it's like, libertarians are so racist. I'm like, do you know who you're talking to? (laughs) Yeah, it is funny. I I I very rarely... I don't think I've been called racist much in my life, which is funny mm-hmm. uh, because if, if there's someone in our circles that should be called racist purely by the way that they speak, it would be me. Uh, yeah. I, I, I've been called a pedophile a lot on Twitter because I'm a libertarian, Oh, which is weird because like, yeah, like 90% of my posts is like, we should just kill pedophiles. Like murder shouldn't count if it's pedophiles. And then they're like, yeah. you're a race. You're a pedophile. I'm like, I mean, we didn't elect one into office to be fair. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Either. <laughs> <All of them>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just pick one. Just, well, with that, Madam Eskimo, uh, I do appreciate you coming on the show tonight. I will say, in honor of you coming uh, on the show tonight, uh, God decided it needed to snow here in Tennessee. So uh, thank you for that shit. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> he set the mood. Uh, I was cussing the snow not long ago. I was like, damn you. Uh <laughs> About to say something like racist against Eskimos. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what an Eskimo slur would be. Like, I think all I've heard is like Eskimo alone is like a slur. And I'm like, I know people try to insult me and like, go eat some blubber. And I'm like, what? Okay. Go eat some cake? Go eat some ice cream? <laughs> I don't know what to say back to you. Like, <laughs> I, I want. I'll 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 caveat under this real quick. I want mm-hmm. really good insults for white people. Like I want the white person's inward because I want I want something so spicy. Like when I hear I'm like, damn. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> but it, I, uh, it doesn't exist. I keep asking people, and people are like, I don't know, cracker. I'm like, eh, you pick word for a white person that's meant to be like. Spicy in our language is kasak. Uh, What's it mean? Like it co- it originates from the word Kazakh because you know the oh, Russians what? keep and all that. That's oh. our own version for white people. That is it. It was meant to be um, insulting. It's no longer really used as an insulting word. That's our own version. Sorry, that's all we got. Uh Oh well, oh, I, I guess I guess, <laughs> I guess communist. 
Yeah, I, I, I got nothing. I'm like, eh, it, it's still kind of weak. Uh, I'm I'm one of those people where you can you can like you know this like you've called me a lot of shit. Uh, no, I'm nice. Tell your viewers I'm nice. I've got a lot of screenshots of you just trying to dunk on me. Uh, turns out no one hates me more than me, so y'all keep it up. Uh, <laughs> oh God, are you opening up? You know? <laughs> With that, uh, I've got to go clean guns. Uh, <laughs> appreciate you coming on Madam Eskimo you are a blast as always uh, glad to see you're still making the rounds and uh, with that ladies and gentlemen good night good liberty and Eskimo you're not a real libertarian <laughs> Guyana <laughs> see ya see ya <laughs>